Welcome to this edition of Gabrielle Dolan's Authentic Leadership Podcast. Join Gabrielle as she speaks to well-known leaders on authentic leadership values and storytelling. The aim of this podcast is to encourage you to embrace authenticity in both the professional and personal context. The stories and experience of her guests will be a wonderful catalyst for others to learn from. So today joining me on this authentic podcast series is Michelle Dixon, who is CEO of Maddox. Hi, Gabrielle. Hello. Nice to be here with you. Yeah. So look, I just want to start off with some general questions around um, authentic leadership and, and what it means to you. What, you know, when you, it's a term we sort of hear a lot, but what does it mean to you? It is a term we hear a lot, and when you asked me to join you, I spent a little bit of time thinking about what is authentic leadership, and I think for me it probably has two elements. One is um, how you present yourself, Yep. and the other is why you're in the role that you're in and how you perform that role. Right. So in terms of the presenting yourself, I think being authentic is obviously being you. Mm -hmm. So making sure I'm not a completely different person in the CEO role to the person I am at home, although I probably swear a little less in the (laughs) CEO role. Oh, oh really? I thought you would. I I swear a little less at home. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. My children think I'm appalling. Um... So that said, I think you also need to recognise where you can improve yourself. Mm. You know, um, you know, I'm a litigator by trade, yep. or a CEO, and I can be prone to feistiness. So yeah. I try to keep that down, and yeah. you know, have more of an even keel in the the CEO role. Um, but I think it's really about being yourself, um, being willing to show vulnerability mm. and that you know you're not perfect the business isn't perfect and being yep. honest about where there's room for improvement on the other side of the equation I think it's really about why you're in the role and what you're wanting to achieve um, so not wanting the CEO title for for ego or for mm. the title per se but really what you can achieve in that role and wanting to work for the benefit of the business, yep. and you know, that's very consistent with one of our core values as a business, which is stewardship, yep. which is really important in the yep. partnership, and I mm. think every partner here wants to leave the business in a better spot, mm. and my role as CEO is genuinely to work as part of a team and part of a partnership yeah, um, to get the best results possible. Excellent. Well, that probably leads me to, um, I guess, the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, because when we first met, it was... Um, how many years? Several years ago, four, about think. four or so years ago, you were appointed the acting CEO. And yep. when I when I first met you, you made it very clear that you had no intentions to take on the role full time. And yet here you are. So, <laughs> what what happened? I guess doesn't what, sound what, very authentic. Does it? No, no, <laughs> it, it, it sounds very authentic. I guess what happened that you know four years ago? Why were you thinking no? And, and I guess, Nat, what made you decide to take on the role full-time? I think the the primary reason for no was I love being a lawyer. Okay. And yeah. I did not want to give up being a lawyer and mm. you can't be CEO um, with a firm this size and have a practice as well. Um, I also probably wasn't sure whether um, it was a role that I was equipped to do, having not been trained yeah. in any management or leadership yeah. Um roles. I think the the change came about, and I should say it was very hard to give up litigation when I took it on, because I really 
enjoyed having that opportunity and saw it as a very great privilege to be able to influence the direction of the firm. Yeah. And, you know, I was very passionate about certain things that I thought needed to be done, not just within our business, but within the profession more broadly, particularly around gender equity. And there is nothing like the CEO platform to be able to drive some change. Yeah. And you just can't do it. In fact, Mm. I had a conversation with another managing partner who was actually stepping out of the role at another firm. And he said to me, look, you're clearly very passionate about gender equity. Think about how much you could do with a managing partner title. Yeah. um, Compared to just doing your day job mm. and the opportunities that would give you. And that was a great influence, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, the other reason I I guess I wasn't keen to do it at the time is my kids were very young. Yeah, how they old were, were they? five and six. Yep. And being in this role comes with lots of travel, lots mm. of functions, lots of things that take you away from home. Mm. And that was a compromise for our family. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, we discussed it as a family before mm. I took the role. Do you think... Um, you know, so obviously gender equality is important to stance you're taking and even taking on the CEO role has, will probably do more for that. Yeah, and, than, that, and that was part of the reason. Yeah. You know, there was an element of, well, if I don't do it, who will be the next woman who has the chance? Yeah. You know, we're a 130-year-old firm, yep. never had a female mm. lead the firm. Um, and probably comes back to that leadership, authentic leadership point as well. I wanted to be able to show the women in the firm, that this is a career path, being yeah. CEO is an option, and that leadership can look different yep. and be done differently to how we've seen it mm. in the past. And you're right on, um, you know, what I find with senior women when they're, you know, when they're going for a CEO role or being considered, the and especially if they've got young children, it's a significant um, decision for them. And I'm, I'm, you know, speaking generally, of course, but I think women consider that more more than perhaps males do, that I couldn't possibly take this on with young children. Um, but you, you said it was a family decision and a family compromise. What, what has been the compromise? It has it, well, what's, what's different, I guess? Not... Uh, I think any... Life's about choices and choices yeah. come with consequences. Yeah. Any senior leadership role comes with trade-offs. Yeah. And so you need... The benefits need to outweigh the trade-offs, I guess. Yeah. The trade-off, the biggest trade-off for me has been just being around my kids less. Yeah. And you do get used to it and they get used to it. I think it was, frankly, probably pretty harder on me than them in some (laughs) ways. Um, And I've missed out on being, you know, at their school as much as I'd like and those sorts of things, being able to do drop-offs and pick-ups. And it's required other changes such as my husband you know having to be available a lot more Mm. and change his working arrangements in order to do that Um, but at the same time you know I've I really do think I've had such a privileged role Um, I've loved being the CEO I've loved um, the ability as I said earlier to have an influence in terms of the direction to have that platform in terms of things I'm very passionate about Um, and you know being a litigator I'm not shy about expressing (laughs) my (laughs) opinion Um, 
so um, I don't regret the decision. And yeah. when my term came up and I took another term as CEO, again, that was a family yeah. discussion. Excellent. All right. And, you know, just between me and you, I think child pickups and drop books are highly overrated. I've never seen so many angry parents at child drop books. Hurry up! Hurry up! <laughs> I, um, I made the... Uh, yeah, I'm not very good at lunches anymore. No. I'm out of practice. <laughs> That's overrated too. <laughs> now outsource that. What do you love about being CEO? Um, it, it is that having the opportunity to set the direction of the firm. Uh, I love working with a team yeah. as well. Yeah. So as a litigation lawyer, you do tend to work in teams, but often you're working on your own as well, particularly if you're doing advice work and those sorts of things. In the CEO role, you're working as part of an executive team, yeah. day in, day out, um, and also working with your board. And I have got a brilliant executive team. Now, I came into the role with no training. The support they gave me mm. to yeah. help educate me about the role, um, particularly because you know, you're quite vulnerable coming into a role that you're not prepared for and learning it on the job yeah. in a very, very public way. Um so I, I've had enormous support, which I've really valued, but also mm. being able to repay that in part in terms yeah. of helping their career development yeah. and opportunities for some of the people in that team. Absolutely. If, um, if there was one thing you could change about yourself, what would it be, do you think? Oh, it's probably limiting it to one is hard. <laughs> <laughs> it is probably that... Well, we've got about another 10 minutes. <laughs> Like you think one of my partners described me as a fighter, not a lover. Um, I, yeah, I work hard on not being reactive. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I guess feistiness, it's, it's what you need as a lawyer, but any any strength overdone can be a weakness. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I, I think I'm, as much as I love working with my executive team, I think they would broadly consider me to be highly unreasonable. You know, I, I drive things yeah. hard. Yeah. You know, I um, am terribly impatient. I like to see things done and I like to keep things moving. Yeah. Well, that's I, I can relate to that. And I think as long as... Um, I think with anything like that, as long as it's consistent, so they know it. So it's almost like <laughs> it's, it's almost like they know it. So is it, I think consistency is really, really important when it comes to authentic it leadership. It's like what well, they know what that's what you like. So you know, yeah. It's like my husband. He always says, "You're such a smart ass." I go, "Yeah, but you knew that, and you married me anyway. So <laughs> yeah. well, well, why it's are we changing?" It's like, <laughs> what else would you expect? Um, have you done it? Have you ever done something really embarrassing in business that you think? Yeah. Probably done lots of things that I should be embarrassed about, but, but I you're not. Been thinking. Um, I have a terrible habit of introducing myself to people repeatedly who work right. in the business. It's like you've forgotten <laughs> that I met them the previous yeah. week, um, and that's awful for them. Yes, awful for them to yeah. have the. I actually haven't done it many times, but I have done it two or three in the time I've been CEO because we have so yeah we're growing at such a yeah, rate and you're probably meeting people every day on, you know you probably meet 10 people and they just meet you when you're the CEO yeah and so um but it does feel terrible I, yeah, yeah I'm mortified when I do it yeah. not so much because I'm embarrassed for me but I just know no, how awful that yeah, is for them yeah I um 
I, you can't undo it. No, you can't undo it. I, I have that situation a fair bit because I will go in and run a workshop or do a presentation and, you know, there's hundreds of people that see me and you might meet like 50, but it's harder for me to remember. So I, yeah. I've just done the default position to say I, I'm now giving away my secret. We go, have we met before? And if... <laughs> If someone says no, you just go, oh, I must have a feeling. And then any, but if they go, yeah, I met you yesterday. <laughs> the king go, oh, yes, of course. Yes, we did. Of course we did. Yes, of course we did. we did. What was your name again? Yeah. yeah. Um, what's the hardest part of your job, do you think? Uh, probably dealing with the politics that can come in in the yeah. end. Role. Yeah. So it is part and parcel. There yeah. will always be an element of politics in any organisation. My personality, though, is that I find politics... Um, I recognise they're there and that they have to be manoeuvred, but if they are working against what I see is in the best interests of the business, I find that incredibly frustrating. Yeah. And that's where I can get a little bit intolerant. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the probably the hardest bit. In terms of the the work bit, mm. the other the really the hardest bit is that being away from your family a lot yeah. and travelling yeah. and yeah, um, that's you know constant travel is not glamorous. It's exhausting. No, no. Is it mostly you travel to Sydney or I, tra- I work in Sydney usually two days a week. Yeah. Um, I go to Canberra quite a bit. I have quite a few overseas trips yeah. to see clients and firms we work with. Mm. Yeah, well, probably so. Probably the hardest part of your job is finding a good coffee in Sydney. Would that be? <laughs> I would never say Sorry, that. I say it all never the time. Never say that. Sorry, all my Sydney viewers. <laughs> you've got the harbour, you've got the bridge, but learn how to make coffee. Oh, please. we actually have a brilliant coffee shop just downstairs from our oh, office. So, excellent. Yeah, we've got so that covered. First thing you did as CEO, <laughs> <laughs> get a good coffee in here. Hey, when you're not being CEO, what are you being? What are you doing? So, you obviously love spending time with your family, but what are you doing when you're with your yeah, family? Yeah, it's interesting. I think when I first became CEO, I found. Um, found having the energy to be really active on the weekends hard and I'm always someone who's done a lot of sport you know done anything outdoors skiing hiking whatever it is Um, and I probably didn't invest as heavily as I should have in taking time out for myself and Mm. also my friends Mm. and because I didn't want to be away from the kids if I was at home I wanted to be with the kids and it was actually one of my executive team members who um you know, I'd worked with many years and loved dearly and she said to me, look, you, you really do need to prioritise time for yourself. Yeah. And so I've started, you know, making sure that when I get the invita- invitations to go and do things with my girlfriends, I do. So, you know, I went on a walk with 14 girlfriends in New Zealand and mm. we did the Milford Track earlier oh, wow. this year. Yeah. So I try to prioritise those things now in addition to my family to get that balance right. But, you know, I love cooking. We, we love entertaining. We have an open Yep. You know, I was the person who wanted 20 children um, and, you know, we want people over constantly, love entertaining, love looking after people, but also love reading, love running, love sport, bike riding, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a really good point because I think as um, if you do travel a lot, you come home and feel, I need to spend time with the kids. That's right. And the things that do suffer then are your friendships and, yeah. and perhaps yourself and that's just important as well and you can um, find ways to combine them yeah yeah well. yeah and as you as you you know your kids are getting older as they hit teenage years I I remember often I would you know just 
work so hard to get home by about five o'clock on a Friday and I'd walk in and they would walk out of their room and go, hi, mum, and then walk back into and their disappear. room. And then you go, great, that was worth it. <laughs> okay, so open a bottle of wine. Although I think there is something to just being around. Yeah, there is, there is. Just just being there, they yeah. know you're there. They and if they there. want to talk, they can. Yeah. So you said you love cooking. What's your, um, what's the one meal? Like, what's your signature dish? Oh, I'm not sure that I have one. Or the one you love cooking. I love baking. Just to fatten up the family. Yeah. Um, always love baking, but I really, I just love to cook, particularly for a crowd. Yeah. Yeah. I love to put on a feast. Yeah. Plan it I all. I should have been Italian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love to feed the feed the masses. Do you love um like uh, food shopping? It's one of my favourite things. Is food like design, you're planning a meal and then going out and finding it, and if there's bizarre little ingredients that's I love that I like it if I'm in you know like a really great meat shop or yeah. a really great fruit and veg shop yeah. I have a pathological fear of supermarkets yeah yeah I, I don't think. go to supermarkets I don't I, I, yeah. I almost just the busyness and the time it, it takes yeah and yeah, yeah so I have a little you know little boutique little but one, grocers and one of my favourite things about travelling is discovering food ah yeah. yeah finding the great food stores yeah the markets and stuff yeah excellent um is there something you really love or really hate that people might not know about you? Uh, ooh. I think Maybe any, what you really hate anything. I think anything I really hate, people know. <laughs> <laughs> people know exactly where they stand with me. Uh, I do mm. tend to express my opinions. Um, in terms of what I love, people wouldn't necessarily know that I love to, you know, have thousands of people over yeah. on the weekends. My friends know, yeah. and on the weekend, my house is, I think, considered open house in yeah. the neighbourhood. There's always people um, dropping in or popping in and staying for a meal, yeah. and or certainly popping in and just waiting to be offered a glass of wine. Yeah. Um, so you love entertaining, by the sounds of it. I just love having people around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good. Good. Um, I want to sort of ask a few questions. This is more, you probably don't get asked these when you're normally interviewed as a CEO. Um, what's your favourite quote? Do you like quotes? I, love, I, I like do like quotes. I love a quote. Yeah, no, I do like quotes. What's your favourite one? I why? think the one that resonates with me most as since I've been CEO is um, Eleanor Roosevelt. She's got some brilliant quotes. Oh, yeah. uh, you may as well do what you think is right because... You know, you're always going to make some people happy and some people yeah. unhappy. You know, damned if you do, damned if you yeah. don't. Yeah. So, you know, go with what you think is right. Yep. Because either way, either way, you'd, someone's not going to be happy yeah. with it. Yeah. I I had a similar one where I I, you know, I came across it like when I was about twenty, and I think I've lived my life by it. It's um, I don't know what the key to success is, but the key to failure is trying to please everybody. Yeah. You will not. You will not. Someone's going to be disappointed. So you might as well not be disappointed yourself and know that you've done what the right thing, which I think almost is at the heart of authentic leadership to say this is what I think we should do and, and have yeah. the courage to do it. But you still need to, I think it's important that you listen to other people's yeah, yeah. points of view and yeah. be open yeah. to other ideas. You can't approach things from a, a fixed perspective. At the end of the day, you have to do what you think yeah. is right. I think another um, quote, I'm not sure whether it's success has many masters or success has many chefs, but just... I think that's something you need to remind yourself of mm. in a senior leadership role, mm. that it's actually not about 
you yeah. and firm's doing really well, that's not because you're awesome. Yeah. It's because you've got a group of people yeah. who are working to achieve yeah. that. Yeah, and absolutely. And I think, you know, fundamentally your a role as CEO is to, to listen to everyone, get input, but then make the decision. That's yeah. sort of what you get paid for, to and, make good decisions. And in a partnership, there yeah. are always going to be some people yeah. happy and some, some people, people less happy. But, you know, the thing I always say to partners, and I, I think most people would agree with this, is you may not agree with the decision that I make, but it's important that you understand that I'm making it because I think it's in the best interests of the firm. Yeah. And that's a line I've always towed mm-hmm. within the firm. And that's where I think people have the confidence that I'm not going to play the politics. I'm always going to do what I think is right yeah. for the firm, even if that can come at a personal yeah. cost at times. Yeah. Um, and if you are consistent with that, then people will respect the decision that you make, whether or not they agree with it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know I'm a bit of a fan of cutting out corporate jargon, which might be very hard in a law firm. I go to meetings with the Commonwealth lawyers and they talk in acronyms and I get to the end and say, that was great, but I do not know what you said. <laughs> okay, so what, or what you were talking if about. You could, if you could, as CEO, this is my thing, we're not to use this jargon what would it be what's a bit of jargon that really irritates you it's the jargon around innovation so words like ideation they they kill me (laughs) (laughs) do you just go what does that mean Uh, so you just seriously go what does it mean yeah i'm sure that's a made-up word yeah yeah it is it's got to be a made-up word (laughs) so you know we we you know occasionally have meetings and we're talking about innovative ideas and then people talk about the process to follow to implement the ideas and these words come up and I can we please start speaking in English <laughs> you should uh, you should direct them all to my site jargon free Fridays where did I'll do yeah yeah do choose a word ideate ideation maybe and we just don't use it even just for Fridays we just try to replace it with a normal word that people understand and I see try to never use it <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll hold you to that if I ever see you being interviewed and you say that. <laughs> You're a liar. <laughs> yeah. She's turned. Um, what's your favourite 80s song or artist? Uh, well, you know, I was a teenager in the 1980s. Yeah. So yeah, that, was much a, that was the best decade. That's why I... Absolutely. Yeah. Pretty much every song. I'm not sure I have a favourite. There's a song, you know, when you listen now and you, you, the song comes on and you can sort of almost remember that, yeah. Always yeah. Listen always dancing to that one. Oh, look, I'm really embarrassed to say that I loved at the time Tainted Love by Soft Cell. <laughs> no, that Tainted Love's a cool song. <laughs> I think we were going to say, I'm really embarrassed. One of my favourite songs is Walking on Sunshine. Oh, it's just like... <laughs> and every time well, I it's hear very it, happy. I, I was very, like, you know, who doesn't want to be walking on sunshine? <laughs> no, Tainted Love, Soft Cell, that's that's almost, like, cool. That's not oh, embarrassing. Oh, I was not a cool teenager. <laughs> I'd like to say that I was, but I really don't think I was a cool teenager. Oh, you, you like soft cells, so that's cool enough. Okay, final question. If you could give one piece of advice to your 20-year-old self, what would it be? Uh, so I'm, one of the things that I do in my role is catch up with all the new grads. Yeah. They always ask me this question. Oh. And the advice that I give to them is... The people who you see as grown-ups don't feel like grown-ups. Yeah. You know, if I'd known that when I was 20, 
I would have been far more comfortable, I think, dealing with the more senior people in the business and, mm. you know, not being a little bit scared of them. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm CEO and I still don't feel like a grown-up. Yeah. You know, I still wonder what I'm going to be when I grow up. Yeah. Um, you know, no matter how old you are, you're still learning, you're still finding your way and... Most people my age, I'm 47, feel like we've got a lot to learn mm. from the younger generations coming through. I'm actually genuinely interested yeah. in what they have to say. So I wish I'd known that. Yeah, that's a good 20. advice. It's it's weird even, you know, in Australia we we sort of feel like we're all low-key and casual and we don't respect authority, but there's still this hierarchy and, like, someone's more senior than them, so they must be know all the answers. And yeah. you just go, no, they're not. You know, no. they got no idea as well. They're just everyone's just playing the game and doing their best and getting along. And well, I felt like that when I came into the CEO role and started being asked to do things like this podcast or um, to give speeches. I'm not sure my opinion's actually any more <laughs> relevant <laughs> or articulate than anyone else's. Although obviously you do learn in the yeah. role and you learn a lot about yeah. the industry and about leadership and those sorts of things. But. You know, there's so much to learn. Yeah, and constantly. I think I think probably more in this generation where so much has changed from since we started work uh, that the young the young people coming through have got so much to offer because yeah. it's such a different. You know, they're just coming from a completely different place. And I think they're probably more confident than yeah. my generation was when we we're in our twenties. But you can't underestimate in a hierarchical organisation, which a law firm is. Mm the significance that's attached to the label that you carry. Yeah. And, you know, I'll often say to the partners, you need to understand that the impact that a one, you yeah. know, slightly harsh word from you can yeah. have on a staff member, mm. you know, because of the title that you have. Yeah. Everything is amplified. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of um, one of probably the, I was going to say double-edged sword, but that might be a bit harsh, of being authentic leadership where you want to be yourself, but realising that because of your title and position, what you say has greater impact. Yeah. So you've still got to be mindful of that. You, you know, do. Joking, and you, it might be a joke to you, but someone's taking it seriously because you're the CEO or a partner. Yeah, and there, there is that juggle. You need to be yourself, but recognise there's room for improvement with your own behaviour and recognise that impact. Yeah. And one of the first things that my director of people and culture said to me when I became CEO is, I hate to tell you, but you can never have a bad day. Yeah. So even if, you know, something horrendous is going on at home, you need to put on a, a reasonably yeah. positive face to the firm because that That's influences the mood in the firm so much. And you think, well, how does that weigh up with authentic leadership? I think you can do that and still be you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you do have to be very conscious of that. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks for your time. I better let you go. You've got a pre presentation to prepare for for I a judge, do. do you? Well, I've got to give a speech with a judge. Right. So not, is it Judge Judy? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> okay. No, thanks. Not. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast in the Authentic Leadership series. Visit the resource library on Gabrielle's website to access a collection of free material on business storytelling and thought leadership.